Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. In the middle, it's just behind him, but it's in by Hakim's here. It's Matic with the ball driver! Matic takes the net off! It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast. Coming up on this episode... Cole will early for Modric to score! How he has thirsted for that! Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm joined in a virtual room filled with lions... Some lions. I've got Ollie. I've got Chris. And it is not Monday night. It is Tuesday because of obvious reasons. Uh, yeah. So let's just go straight to what your highlights were from the weekend. Because there's, there's something. I know it. We won a game. Well, well, is that the weekend? <laughs> is a Monday a weekend? Oh, that, that is true. That, that is know, true. It's, it's not, is it? Nah, well, for some people it is. You know, we, can't, we must respect other people's cultures. I know, but if it, if it, look, if 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 Monday counts as a weekend and I didn't go into work, oh, I'm pretty much sure I don't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know. true. Oh, you know what? I, what? What about yourself, Chris? What was your highlight? Uh, do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna big him up because because he's not here. Uh, my highlight of the weekend was hearing about the goal burst scored on Sunday oh, oh. outside of the some front, strike, top apparently. corner from the edge of the box. Apparently, <laughs> oh nice! Oh, I wow. didn't see it. I've just heard about it. <laughs> just heard. But, Bit of artistic yeah. license. It went from a tapping to the greatest <laughs> goal that's ever been scored yeah, you since know Messi. It, it was probably Got like a, a scrappy goal. He fell over <laughs> and knocked it in from a corner. Oh, <laughs> right. Him. He didn't know anything about it. My highlight was was on Saturday Night Football when uh, Kelly Cates had to read out the PGOML statement whilst Churchill the dog... Yes, if you remember him, he does car insurance, uh, was reacting in the background. That just is a little bit of the clip. Uh, PGMOL acknowledge a significant human error occurred oh, no. during the first half of Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> against Liverpool. Oh, no. The goal by Luis Diaz was disallowed for offside by the on-field team of match oh, officials. No. This was... <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have oh, yes, it is. That is brilliant. Oh, no. I loved it. I I genuinely thought that was an actual, somehow, like an advertising campaign that you were genuinely going to play for us. I was expecting the proper, like, oh, yeah, like that one. Yeah, it was was very much um, one of of those great moments. Right, let's hit some news from the weekend. Oh, Chelsea got their WSL title defence underway over the weekend against arch-rival Spurs. And our man Clayton has that match report for us right now. Hi, this is Clayton Herman for At The Bridge Pot with a report on the Chelsea women's first game of the season at Stamford Bridge. The champions began their defence with the following lineup: We had Zakira Musevic in goal at the back. There was Millie Bright, captain, Jess Carter, Maren Mielder, and the two wing-backs were Johanna Cannery and Nia Charles. In midfield, we had making her debut Asusha Nuskin. She was uh, with Sophie Ingle. And then playing behind Mia Fischel, making her first-team debut. 
you were Gura Wrighton and Lauren James. We had a strong bench, but there was no sign of Sam Kerr or Aaron Cutter, who were both injured. The opening exchanges were fairly tame, with nothing much happening. In the first couple of minutes, uh, Lawrence James shot, which was relatively close, but Spurs looked quite comfortable in possession, and there was a, a bit of a lacklustre feeling to the game, both teams feeling each other out in respect to the early exchanges, but nothing particularly exciting. To speak of, the atmosphere in the crowd was fairly subdued, which, having found out afterwards that it was only 14,000, is not really surprising. In the 23rd minute, Nushkin, who looked very busy, very impressive, had a header which was fairly tame, but the general feeling was more of a pre-season game than the first game of the season. Chelsea, however, opened the scoring in the 28th minute, and it was a dream debut for Mia Fischel. A fantastic cross in from the left from near Charles, and a pinpoint header into bottom right-hand corner gave Chelsea the lead. There was more of an upbeat feel to the game after that. Crowd got into it a bit more, and all things looked relatively comfortable. We approached half-time, and Spurs completely opened up the Chelsea defence, and Mark Thomas, who'd looked quite lively, had a one-on-one, -on -one and Musovic made a fantastic point-blank save, and Millie Bright tied it up afterwards. So Chelsea were one at half-time. You could say that they looked comfortable. There was not much of a threat from Spurs apart from that last chance. The second half was completely different. Chelsea really did explode from the box, and after only a couple of minutes, Lauren James hit the crossbar. A brilliant move, and a really great shot. Very unlucky. A minute later, another really slick movement, and Guru Wrighton brought a great save from the Spurs goalkeeper. Two minutes later, Guru Wrighton actually scored after some slick passing, but quite unbelievably, the ball having gone well over the line, the linesman didn't give the goal. However, from the ball coming out of the area, went again to Nee Charles, who put in a superb ball, and Lauren James on the six-yard line volleyed home. 2-0 to Chelsea. At that point in the game, Chelsea were absolutely destroying Spurs and probably should have scored another couple of goals. And in the 58th minute, Emma Hayes brought on Frank Kirby and Manny Lupos for Nuskin, who'd had a great debut, and Canarid, who had been quite quiet. From then until the 76th minute, it was a bit of a practice match, and Chelsea were passing the ball around, and they're seeing a lack of urgency, but it didn't really matter. But then in the 76th minute, speculative shot was spilled by Musevic. Arthur Thomas scored for Spurs. From that moment onwards, Spurs felt they had a foot in the game. Guru Wrighton and Lauren James were withdrawn, and Ashley Lawrence and Jesse Fleming came on. In the 81st minute, Musevic made amends for her mistake by making a great save down to her left. But the defence, as far as I was concerned, looked very tired, especially Maren Melder, who was basically substituted for Kankovic. I'm a great fan of Kankovic and really would have liked to have seen her come on earlier. And it was quite telling that for the last 10 to 15 minutes of the game, we looked much livelier and Kankovic had a goal and luckily ruled offside. There were seven minutes of injury time, but Spurs didn't really threaten and the three points were secured. A bit of a rare event. Chelsea, who for two years running had lost their fixtures to Liverpool and Arsenal. And so it's great to start the campaign with a victory. Overall impressions are that we looked slightly rusty and a lot of players who played at the World Cup looked quite tired. Millie Bright at times looked a bit leggy and Spurs were much improved from last season. My player of the match was near Charles. Chelsea's next fixture is next Sunday, the 8th of October of Thursday. to Man City will be a tough test. So we got off our title defence with a win against Spurs. So thank you to Clayton for bringing us that report on that opening game. Much appreciated and hopefully more wins to come as they, they get their title again. We, we uh, just Emma Hayes, win, she win. Just she just doesn't lose, does she? Legends, legends, all of them, really. Yeah, and you know what? And they've been rewarded for their hard work because they got a new, yeah. new a new gym. The I love team. that. 
New gym. I'm I'm a big gym fan. They were so. all buzzing for it. It was so nice to see. It was so who wholesome. Would, who wouldn't be? Yeah, new gym. Yeah. Uh, I suppose they are all athletes, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they, 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 perfectly. We talk about the gym and someone who's probably not going to be in there for a while because... Uh... My knee. Oh, dear. One piece oh, of huge my. news broke only today, and it was the latest on Ben Chilwell and his hamstring injury. Oh, my word. It, it is understood that Chilwell faces at least eight weeks out and could be sidelined for further, depending on how the initial steps of his rehab go. He's going to face a race to be back playing ahead of the Christmas fixtures at the midpoint of the campaign. So it's this is a big concern for me. I mean, we often say the best ability is availability. And right now, uh, he don't have any. <laughs> I mean, Chris... Well, there's always some bad news, isn't there, following a bit of positivity of a win. But, I mean, I don't know what to say. That is, that is what... Does it, it really, annoy you, it, you know, Chris? It, it, do, it, it does. It annoys it, it does me. annoy me. <laughs> because even when we win a game, there's always something to tarnish it. And it's it's always mm. injuries. It's, you know, it it's... But with Chilwell, it is a concern because he's not... It just he's keeps not happening. Like, yeah, and he's not 23, is he? He's 27. So yeah, like, mm. his body's not even... You could argue like his body's not even in the perfect sort of physical condition now to even recover as quickly as he could, you know, like three or four years ago. Yeah, like, we're, it's such a, he's not it's such a shame. It's such I, a shame I, because I think it's one of them where you can sort of see injuries being the reason why his Chelsea career comes to an end. Um, I pulled up his last three seasons and 21-22, he had a ruptured cruciate ligament and he was out for 178 days, missed 45 games. I was so unlucky, that injury as well. Yeah, yeah it really So was. good that season. He was at the absolute peak of his power. The, f- the following season, 22-23, so last season, he had a hamstring issue twice throughout the season. He missed 89 and 28 days, which was a total of 20 games. And so far, he's out for two games already this season. With this hamstring issue, days for a, for a hamstring, uh, eighty-nine days for a hamstring. I, it's it's a, not good, is it? No, and it, look, he signed that contract and all, but you've got to be available. And this is a—I love Chilwell. He's a great player, great, great man on the pitch and off the pitch. But but his muscles are made of string. Yeah, yeah, it's a rubber. Ba- it's thing, a rubber band in a cold day. Yeah, the only thing that might have saved him now would be. Having those sort of injuries, or you know, the regularity of his injuries, mm. is it is a massive problem, of course. But it's not as much of a problem if uh, that player isn't your starting player, and if Colwell mm. continues to perform at left back. I know that's still weird. <laughs> as, as he's, uh, yeah, as he's been playing, and let's say he develops into, you know, that is his main position. He he becomes a left back. Yeah, yeah. Then Chil- and Chilwell becomes the rotation player. It's still an issue, but not as big a, of an yeah. issue. If you understand what I mean, that's like, fair. I agree. But ha- there's also the possibility, though, unfortunately for Chilwell, that like. There have been players that just get injured at the at the perfectly wrong moment, and the the squad passes them by, and yeah. so they like you know I know Chile's vice captain, but if he loses his start in place, if he you know like if he's re- going to really struggle to get back into the team, mm. you know like there's just a concern that like the team will pass him, you know like will they'll develop mentally, connect a bit more together with the you know and gel a bit more like we've been yeah. seeing, mm. and and then when it's time for him to come back in there's a problem there because he's vice captain on one hand, but he's also 
you know, he's not been playing with for ages. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I know. I know exactly what you mean. I mean, it's we'll have to wait and see. Really, we, we really will. I mean, one thing we don't need to wait and see. We we got a crucial win, didn't we? I mean, it was that match report sponsored by two goals, three injuries, proper Chelsea. I mean, Mikhailo Mudrik's first goal in Chelsea Blue and Broya's first in nearly over a year, I think nearly a year anyway, set set our Lions on the path to a very, let's just say it was a confidence booster, you know, of the season. First win away from home. I, I can only imagine that we have winners and winners and winners on today's show. So let's let just let them flow. Let them flow. Are we are we restricted to three winners or Oh just do just do what you wish. I've got four I, winners. I've only I've only got three. I restricted myself to three. I've done I restricted <laughs> myself to three, but I think we're gonna we we might miss some people in that case. Four four I've, yeah, got, we will. I've got four and three. Purely but you know what I you know what one of my fourth one is, it's always fun. But go on, Ollie, who have you got? Okay, well, my first one. So I, I tried to actually go with some who I thought would be not chosen, you know, like because there would be so many winners under the radar yeah i wanted to go for a more under the radar pick Mm. so my first choice is actually uh moises caicedo oh yeah he's on mine too he's on my winner (laughs) just massively (laughs) so far under the radar we already know (laughs) (laughs) yeah what i've done there is i've slapped back like what i've done is i've not gone under the radar i've smashed my head into the radar that's what i'm (laughs) (laughs) caicedo just so improved um you know like he looked for the first time like he was worth at least some of what we bought him for. I know that sounds really <laughs> harsh, but it it seemed to me that like it just kind of clicked a bit more for him. He, he he did a really good job kind of sitting and patrolling the back four. Mm. Did a really nice job when he was actually tasked to get forward as well. I think it does benefit him being able to like sit and go forward. I don't think he should just sit, at least based on that game. You know, I know Fulham were terrible, especially their midfield was so open, but it just really allowed our midfield to flourish and properly play their game. Mm. And I thought Caicedo did a really good job of just sort of flushing out the danger and making sure that everything was just okay. Like Fulham never really looked like scoring except one chance in the second half. Mm. Um, And, you know, Caicedo has a a big part to play in that, so he gets his flowers. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I did see a Sky Sports pundit in Dougie tweet how underwhelming Caicedo has been for Chelsea and I don't know what he was watching, but I saw a player who he kept possession. He rarely turned the ball over. and if, He wasn't watching. And he played a few he beautiful... He was looking at the stats. <laughs> yeah, I, I got that vibe. I mean, he played a few beautiful balls to his teammates on the pitch. A winner. A winner in my book. I mean, Chris, did the stats lie on Caicedo? Why did you pick him as a winner? Best game for us so far. Yeah. Um, I think it was that simple, really. Uh, everything that you would want, someone who was playing that sort of lone six role to do, he did. He broke up the play. He linked well. He linked the defence and midfield together, which is a massive part of that job. Mm. Um, Didn't get caught dallying on the ball, seemed to be moving the ball a lot quicker. Uh, Looking for progressive passes as well. Yeah, had a a big hand in the opening goal as well. I think people Mm -hmm. underrate how important that switch of play to Colwell in the initial phase was. yeah, uh, I think it really helped him, the fact that we was playing a little bit more on the transition um, because we were playing a little bit more sort of how Brighton used to play, um, not necessarily being concerned about dominating possession. Um, if we turned the ball over, it was about 
finding quick passes to beat any sort of press and then getting us up the pitch quicker. And I think that suits Caicedo better. I just don't think he's the sort of player who wants to be receiving four passes from the defenders in 30 seconds and keeping it around in our own defensive third. I don't think he's that sort of player. So I just think the tactical setup helped him as well. But mm. hands down, our best game for us so far. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, right, I'm, I'm sure... I don't know if we've all picked him. Mikhailo Mudrik is on my list. I would have picked him. Yeah. I would have picked him, but I didn't because I knew someone else would. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when he scored his first goal in, in what was his 24th competitive game for Chelsea, I mean, I was up off my seat. It was beautiful play. He played confidently for the remainder of that first half after that. Oh, what a, what a finish. I mean, it got it got me fired up, boys. It really did. I mean, it, it's been difficult for him, obviously, since joining the team in, in the middle of last season, which wasn't the best season. But my word, he will benefit so much from that performance and goal. Shame it was only 45 yeah. minutes, but we're we're told precaution. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. What do you think? Yeah. Um, what what I was really happy with about the goal, not not just not just the fact that he got the goal, but he made a run in behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I think I, I think they uh I think Lampard brought it up after about the easy thing to do in that situation was to go and show defeat to Colwell and then get the ball and try and beat the player. But I've been really critical of our attackers and our fullbacks a lot of not making enough runs in behind defenders and asking them questions. And, and that's what he did problems. for the goal. Yeah, yeah like that's what you know, he did you got for someone, the goal. You've got someone as fast as Mudrick running at you. You know, like it, you're panicking no matter who you yeah. are. Exactly. Uh, it would have been easy for him to go and collect the ball, I think, to feet and then try and beat the player and put a cross in. But he made the he made the run that a Man City attacker would make or a Liverpool attacker would make. The, the one that causes a problem. And that shows that he's growing in confidence and game understanding and a tactical understanding of the game. And I do think now he has shown... In glimpses, and I think the the issue with Mudrick is it's still only glimpses in in matches of being the player that we paid for. I just think he's he's growing in confidence each game. Uh, I'm just hoping that at some point he can sort of knit it all together so it's like a complete performance because he has really good moments and then he'll give the ball away sloppily a couple of times or he'll, he'll lose the ball too easily on, on turnovers. Mm. And I just think he's still he's still far from the finished product, but at least now we're seeing glimpses of what we paid for. Mm. I thought he took the goal really well though, as well. Yeah, you know, he did. Like, so I actually good. Took, great first touch. Down. Great first yeah. touch. Brilliant first touch to get it in front of him, finish through the legs while the ball's bouncing. It's not easy. Mm. Um you know, yeah, maybe gets a bit fortunate because of the way the ball comes in from Colwell just just misses the the Fulham defender's head, you know, whether that's skill or luck, I don't know, but he, you know, took it really well and a really good performance from him as well. Yeah. You know, like I, I thought while he did lose the ball a lot, he was always trying to do things and cause problems and, and give the defense, uh, the Fulham defense things to think about. And once again, uh, the third game in a row, he's gone off and our attacking output really dwindled mm. as yeah. well. Oh yeah. Very you know, true. Like, he seems to be like the ultimate outlet for us a little bit at the moment, because every time he goes off, it looks like we get worse. Mm. Um, Chris, who's a winner? Uh, I'll go with the one that I think we'll probably talk about for longest. Uh, Conor Gallagher. Oh, he's not on my um, list, but let's yeah, go. He, he's 100% on my list. Wow. 
Sorry, Connor. Uh, I thought I thought he was I thought he was hands down our best player. Um, and I've seen a lot of slander for him on uh, on social platforms today. Still from so called Chelsea fans. It's he's the new who, so he's the new Mason Mount, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, about you know, it's a PR driven campaign, oh. and everyone's behind him just because of just because he's English and from Cobham, no, or we just like a him. load of yeah, just a load <laughs> of bullshit. But I mean, having an I had an argument with someone earlier because apparently you shouldn't be praising someone for running around now. I, Okay. You have said that. Um, you did used to say that he ran around a lot. No, not no, Connor particularly, yeah. but in general. Yeah, yeah but and I agree. You, know what? you shouldn't last, be praising last season. We didn't who get just that, did we? run around. Yeah, fair enough, Chris. I'll let you. But off, also, <laughs> but it's also like the bare minimum, isn't it? Like, and, yeah. and last season we didn't even get that from some players. Exactly. So like, you and, know, it's, it's important. But he, this game, he set the tone, and. Uh-huh. People can people could understate that all they like, but it's actually crucial um, to have at least one person in your team who tries to set the tone for the rest to follow. And he started the press. He wasn't letting Fulham have time on the ball. He was getting the team up the pitch. And this ridiculous notion that people got into their head about him not being technically gifted, that now they don't seem to want to change just because that was their thought six weeks ago. He actually linked really well. And I I don't remember him giving anything sloppy away. Yeah. It, 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 playing little triangle passes with Corsado and Enzo in midfield. Always <laughs> looking to progress the ball up the pitch. I actually thought it was an almost faultless performance from him. I was really impressed with the way he exploited space. The way, like, you know, so many times he got the ball with his back to, I guess, his midfielder when we're playing out from the back. And he would spin him on like a half turn, a bit like Mount used to do. Yeah. And just go and then make a progressive pass and really moving the ball up the pitch is exactly yeah. what we wanted to see from Gallagher. He we re- he really benefited from being a little bit further up and Enzo Definitely. being just a little bit further back. You know, we did re- he did really, really well at that. I was, I, I just think he's, like Chris said, it's the perfect example for the for the rest of the team to follow, and you can see a lot of them are trying to match him. You know, like in terms of the way they play and the and the intensity they have to play with in order to like you know be the standard. Mm. And it's why so many managers like him. And yeah, like you said, people say he's not the most technical, but there's nothing uh, wrong with his technical game. He's a hard worker. You know, like, yeah, like ex- yeah, above all else. But I don't feel like we should. You know, like just say he's just a hard worker because he isn't because mm. he's a brilliant football player yeah. as well. Like I, I don't know. I, I like Chris says. I think people just get got that narrative stuck in their head that he wasn't very good technically because of like Tuchel playing him in the pivot or whatever. And then, yeah. you know, and then they've just kind of stuck with it when really he's improved a lot, especially under Pochettino. He's becoming a critical part of Pochettino's Chelsea side. So and, and a great captain. Oh well, yeah, and he'll say. probably be playing. He'll be wearing that armband. Quite often this season, unfortunately, I think with Reese James. He probably, he probably can't Gilwell believe out. his luck. He's, he's like fourth choice captain or oh, yeah. fifth choice, but you know, like he's he's got oh. the armband and he's and you know what? He's proven he deserves oh, it. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, no doubts. Uh, Ollie, who's who've you got on your winners list? I know we've took some of them off, but uh, one that I really, really wanted to mention was Cole Palmer. Oh um, yeah, he's just a silky footballer. It just everything he does makes the makes. He just makes the right decisions. He makes the game look so easy. The his creativity, the way he can move the ball, his off the ball running as well. You know, did really well for uh, the press to get the second goal. 
Mm. You know, he re- he really, really like when I think of Cole Palmer, the thing I think of is he's a really intelligent player for his age. Really, really intelligent, knows the state of the game, knows what to expect and what to happen. And I don't know whether that's just like he's a really good and fast learner mm. or he's always been like that or or what. But Pochettino is getting the absolute best out of him right now. And for me, he's undroppable. Yeah, he, he, I think it probably helps playing under Guardiola. That that yeah. and on the training ground as well more so because obviously he hasn't played a lot a lot. Well, if anything, season. if anything, that makes Lavia a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think um, I think with Palmer in the first half, especially, he looked he looked a cut above everyone else. Thought like it looked like, and he's one of the youngest making, out there. Yeah, but his decision making was a second quicker than everyone else. His vision was better than anyone else on the pitch. It's almost like how Nkunku looked in preseason. When every time he got the ball, you just thought he looks a player. You and think something's going to happen? Yeah, that's what Palmer looked like in the first half. The only thing I would say is I, I do think in the second half he drifted out of the game quite a lot, uh, which you ca- I kind of expect with younger players. But uh, he that is the big area where I think he'll have to improve if he wants to be a starter who's going to be playing you know 70, 75 minutes. You can't have a good half and then drift out of the game. Because mm. second half, he had very little impact. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that, actually. Uh, I've, I've, right, my winner. I've got... I've got Mark Kukurea. Caffarella, yet again. I mean, that switch <laughs> to the right-back role, purely due to the circumstances that have been clearly forced on Pochettino, has, has just rejuvenated this guy's career and, and his chance, I'd say, of being a, a long-term member on our on our squad. I mean, we, we've gone from seeing his name on the team sheet and going, oh, no, to, to you know, to seeing that name and feeling quite confident that, you know, you're going to get a 7 out of 10. I, I mean, I, I saw I saw this on social. Uh, it was a poem that was uh, wrote about him, which I'm going to read it because it, it, is, it is brilliant. So... Kukurea, gonna slay ya. Gonna stop more shots than De Gea. Making rival side wingers panic with his speed and aerodynamic. So, for me, we've got we've got Caffarella, and I am very happy to see him in that right-back role. What, what, what did you make of our very own Caffarella? I thought he was brilliant again. I love He's saying that. Like it's so good to say it. He's playing like a man possessed at the moment. Awesome. He really is. Like, he, he looks like he's he he's playing like he he you know he's got something to lose <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure. you know like i, I don't I, I don't know what pochettino has said to him i don't know what he's been doing in training i don't know what he's done differently if he's just more settled now if he's happier if things in his personal life are going better i don't know mm. but whatever it has changed is such a good change for Cucurella because he just he looks like a totally different player he doesn't look lost he doesn't seem to stand flat-footed anymore when like someone tries to take him on you know like he doesn't he tries to get in decent positions most of the time i think he was at fault in the second half for fulham's main chance personally mm. but other than that he had an absolutely phenomenal game again he was absolutely everywhere and I'm, i couldn't be happier for him i really couldn't what about you chris yeah, he was he was impressive again. I, I seen someone say earlier, and it, it's an interesting point that why has he looked better at right back than he does at left back? And someone just put a comment underneath that said um, he's playing against inverted wingers, so 
if you're playing right back, you're playing against a right-footed left winger who wants to come inside, which mm. brings Kukurea onto his stronger side. Um, and you so know what? It's not it could even be... bad on his weaker side, to be honest. No, but it could it could even it could be something as simple as that. It would be interesting to see if he comes up against a left winger who wants to take him to the byline. Um, a left-footed left winger. I mean, yeah. who wants to take him down that, that down his weaker side? But I mean, all you can ask of players when they come in is to perform, and he's been given his chance, and he's took it, and fair yeah. play to him. And, and so know, many players don't. You know, like we oh, for yeah, so long 100%. we go through this like cycle of like players basically not being good enough, and so other players getting chances and getting dropped and all of the rest of it, but not because players are like taking their chances, but because other players are playing poorly, people are getting their chances, but he's yeah. got on his, his, his chance and he's absolutely smashed it so far. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. I'll drop my final winner because it's me. I won. Whoa. I mean, look, <laughs> Chelsea won their game of Monday night football and the Seattle Seahawks beat the New York Giants. Oh yeah. In their Monday night football game. Two W's. I was happy. I was very, very happy today. So how many winners have we got left, team? Uh, I've got one extra one left. Chris? Uh, Colwell. Um, Great choice. 100%. Really important for the goal. That's the obvious side of it. Man of the match. I think defended really well. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. I thought it was a bit weird that he that he lined up at, at left back. Mm. Uh, I'll be honest, because I, I <laughs> thought initially, when I just seen the lineup without any positions, like the way that the Chelsea socials do it, and they just they just sort of put it out. Um, I I assumed that it would be Kukurea at left back, Disassi at right back, Silver and Colwell at centre back. Um, mm. But then obviously when it when it when they lined up, it was Colwell at left back still. And I know a lot of people have been moaning about Colwell playing left back. Um, but he seems to be growing into it. My biggest um, sort of gripe with Colwell playing there was I didn't think he gave you any sort of attacking output. But well, he's proved this, you wrong, isn't he? Yeah, in this game he did. He actually stepped forward like a left back and went and got involved in the attack. And do you know what? He he is incredible on the ball. So I do think that could it could be a position that he really develops into. And I think people have got to stop judging, stop saying now that he's a centre-back playing left-back because maybe he's just a left-back. Maybe that's... <laughs> he played there for Brighton as well. And I think people forget that, that he did play left-back for Brighton. So it's not completely new to him. I just think Potch has a habit of developing full-backs and Colwell could be the one that he really develops. Mm. Go on, Ollie. What, what, who have you got? My final winner is leadership. Yeah. Uh, you know, that. because yeah, good one. it felt like for, I don't know, it feels like for the first time now that there are some real characters emerging in the squad and mm. emerging in the team in particular who uh, just seem to be a cut above the rest in terms of their vocality and, and you know, how much they're willing to point and lead and actually take responsibility for other people. Mm. I think specifically Colwell's doing really well with that. Yeah, um, as, sure. you know, and only, at only twenty years old, that's unbelievable. Mm. Um, Gallagher obviously is doing a good job, um, and the other one who I wanted to mention as well is Axel Dazazi. Um, yeah. You know, every time anyone scores a goal, anytime anyone is you know celebrating, he's right there next to him, bigging, bigging them up, making them feel like a million dollars. 
you know, giving them confidence, giving them hype. And that's really what we need, mm. you know, in our good moments. And so he's yeah. he's doing an absolutely brilliant job. And it just is so nice to see some players actually taking some form of leadership. I suppose somebody kind of had to eventually. Yeah. But to see like it emerging in several players at once is just really positive. Yeah, 100%. Uh, losers, there's always some. I run well, my first loser is technically not a loser because we've we found out more anyway. But it was injury concerns just because Mudrick went off at half time. Broya limped off in the 65th minute. Caicedo was then off in the uh, additional time of the second half. But apparently, we, we got an update from Broya, the man himself, and he stated that it was just a precaution. It, he was not injured. He knew he wasn't going to do 90 minutes. Brilliant, I think. Potcher said he expects Mudrick fit for the weekend. Caicedo, I haven't heard any more on that, so I have no idea what's going on there. Uh, uh, Potch said it was a contusion, so I guess it's just a bruise. A bruise. Oh, I love it. A, a, a very posh word for a bruise. Fair enough. That's yeah. all good. That's all positive. I mean, dead legs. A dead like leg. <laughs> so, who? What? How many? What losers have we got here? I've got two losers. Go for it. We'll do them yeah, together. I've, I've got right. two as well. Yeah, we'll my, my first loser. My first loser is Fulham. Because they were <laughs> awful. They were yeah, really, they was. really, really bad. Especially in midfield, I thought. Don't know whether it was because we were really good or they were really bad in midfield specifically. Might be both. Hmm. Um, but they were genuinely terrible. Um, you know, they, yeah. they they really kind of only threatened us once and um, forced a good save from Sanchez, who also had a, a decent game despite having not having much to do. Um, I just, yeah, like they, they just, they looked like they might really struggle this season. Jimenez looked lost. Oh, um, I feel so home. sorry for him, man. Like, yeah, it just feels like... Since that know, injury, he, he could he's have, just not been the same have, player. He could have been so brilliant, you know, like... Yeah. And he just... It was, they tried to say that he was quality by saying that he scored uh, against Uzbekistan uh, twice for Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, well, you know, that that is a, a certain amount of quality. But anyway, <laughs> I, I digress. Fulham were just really, really poor. Uh, they just... Yeah, they're, they're a loser for a reason and they lost the game. Yeah, yeah. Who's your other loser? Uh, second half. Um, well, it wasn't the, the best we, thing, was it? Wasn't the best. Like We were in control, but we, we kind of dropped off in attacking threats and quality and yeah. things like that. I feel like if we had taken our chances in the first half, we could have been like four or five up, really. Mm. So mm. It's, I, to see us like trying to control the game in the second half, I get the game plan, but I, I would have preferred to see them push on. Losing Mudrick probably took a lot of yeah. our attacking threat out yeah and you know what Matson didn't quite look so good to replace him personally i, I didn't yeah. think so but yeah um chris who, who have you got for losers uh so i've got mudrick um because he had to go off at half time and it's it was such a shame for him mm. because after even though it's it, it turns out now it um, hopefully it's not an actual an actual injury yeah. like it's just it was just something for caution that game to not play the second half of that game after scoring his first goal was such a shame for him personally. Because yeah. um, like that was like that that was like his catalyst moment. And I think second half he could have really kicked on, maybe even got a second goal. And then, you know, the confidence that he would have got from that is such a it was so annoying that he had to go off at half time having just scored his first goal. Yeah. It's just typical. Chelsea at the minute that is um, yeah. uh, my second one a little bit controversial I reckon um, Enzo oh. nah you're insane wow here we go here we go let's, and let's I, listen and I'll tell you my reasons I still have 
I mean, firstly, uh, I put Raheem Sterling as a loser the other week for missing a chance. Um, so I've got to be fair. And Enzo missed a really good chance to make it 3-0 in the second half. And like 10 minutes later, Fulham had that chance that could have made it 2-1 and made it a completely different game. So he, he, has, to, he has to score that chance. Um, okay, I can see that. I think it was after Palmer hit the post. Um, Matson who hit the post. Yeah, Matson hit the post. Yes, Matson. Yeah. That was it. Matson hit the post. Yeah, um, he's got to finish that chance. Um, but also, he is a incredible footballer. Mm. Right? Technically, he's very, very gifted. But he doesn't look quite right at the moment. Uh, I don't know. I think it's really since the international break as well. I don't know whether he's got some sort of fatigue, but he had some lovely touches in this game and some lovely link play with Caicedo and, and, and Gallagher, especially, and some really nice oh, touches heavily involved, in the game. Heavily involved in the game. But also in the second half, when we were sort of protecting the 2-0 lead, he gave away some really sloppy passes in our own half and he got caught on the ball a couple of times in our own half. I mean, Fulham was absolutely dog shit and didn't make anything of it, so it doesn't become a big deal. Made important challenges, though. Yeah, he did make a couple of important challenges, but uh, there was also a moment, I think it was around the 70th minute, Mm -hmm. where we started an attack... We gave the ball away and he walked back ah. and everyone else was recovering and he just he just strolled back like he was That's playing That's why Chris it. is annoyed. <laughs> he just I love that. Strolled back. Chris himself just... being a football coach would be so annoyed if he saw one of his players do that. Uh, in fairness, I'd have took him off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I just think, Always and I think Potts said it after the game as well, uh. but... Um, the balance in there and he said I'm pretty sure he said after the game that Corsado and Enzo aren't quite at it at the minute and I do think you can see that in Enzo mm. I think he's we really have to find with him what he is because we've tried him as a number eight and that clearly hasn't worked because he is shit in the final third especially in front of goal he's terrible um I don't think he's ever going to become a goal scoring midfielder. Okay. Uh, I think he'll get the occasional like good goal from the edge of the box, but he's not going to be a goal scoring midfielder. Mm. We tried him as a deep line midfielder and that didn't really work either. So he's got to we've got to find a way of getting the best out of him. I think first half was probably the best I've seen him sort of playing as like almost as an eight, but he can drop in and play as a six if he wants. He can go forward if he wants, that sort of role. But I just think He's still, at the minute, not looking like the player that people think he is. Okay. Oh, I, I think, you know, I, I, that will be controversial. But, hey, we'll see what other, other, uh, the listeners think of that, of course. The thing is, for me, Chris, is it, I think that's arguably the best we've seen Enzo since the Liverpool game. I, I thought he was largely, at times, running things keeping things ticking over, making really nice progressive passes, moving the ball really well, getting out of trouble, you know, connecting the play. I, I For me, I, I, I didn't quite, I, maybe I didn't see some of the things you saw uh, specifically in the second half, maybe, but for me, I, I thought he was excellent. I'm not sure. I, I'm personally not sure that, that particular criticism of him generally about not knowing precisely where to play him, I think is fair. But I think... I'm not entirely sure if that's a fair thing to levy at him after this game because I thought he was very good. It was, I, I, I'm on your side on this because I just thought he had a decent game. 
that was about it, you know. I mean, yeah, we'll 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 see how we yeah. We'll hopefully he has another blinder of a game on the weekend. Um, I've got two losers. I've got officiating stroke VAR because they must have been real tired this game week because took a nap on Saturday night, as we know, <laughs> and then they repeated the trick yet again last night. You know, Vinicius going full Alex Song karate chop on. Thiago Silva, if you remember that from, I think it was a World Cup where Alex Song did that. Oh, dear me. And then. Uh, to be fair, I think the, the thing is with that is you can't report that to the PGMOL. You have to pr- report it to the British Martial Arts and Boxing Association. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, the fact is, Vinicius had the audacity to complain to the referee afterwards. And, and as of yet, no apology letter has been issued to Chelsea over this decision. Perhaps they've run out of stamps. But it is the perfect segue to include a listener question here. And it's from Jimmy J. Morgan Zigote. What does Chris think about the decision on Vinicius? Oh, it's just ridiculous. It, it's, it's a, a clear red, card. red card. It's a red card. I don't, yeah. It's a red card. I don't, I don't, I, <laughs> firstly, I don't understand what is going through Vinicius's mind. He He's literally just running behind Thiago Silva and thinks, I'm going to punch him in the back of the head, I think. <laughs> <laughs> wow it's like it's like what are you doing and i can't i can't believe how they looked at that and went nah that, that's probably a yellow he's punched after him this weekend I don't, after I this don't weekend understand. the thing is, oh. is i don't understand it because like they even said at the time in the game var are looking at this so they yeah. looked at it and then went nah like yeah they, they said they looked at it they didn't say they were actually gonna properly give it a look ah fine it's fine um right and my final lose was Domino's Pizza. They turned up with a big LED screen showing how many pizzas were sold since Chelsea's last league goal. And they had to eat some very tasty humble pie because we served up two within a minute. That's what we like to see. That's what we like to see. Yeah, so, you know what, Domino's? We absolutely smashed you because we delivered in under a half an hour. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's beautiful. I, th- I think that deserves the... Hey, thanks a lot. I'll be here all week. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Right, emoji game review. I, I I went I went quite nice here. I went the sun because I'm starting to sense brighter times are ahead. Oh, nice. That's a good one. Thank, Very thank poetic. You. Thanks. thanks. <laughs> go on, Chris. Uh, I'll go with the shocked emoji. The fact that we <laughs> scored two goals, I, c- I couldn't believe it. And and in a minute, I I I, I thought the world had gone mad. <laughs> I know. I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> what, what about you, Ollie? What have you got? Um, I went one with the emoji where it's the the hands kind of over your face, but you're kind of peeking through your fingers. Uh, you know, because I'm sort of like just starting to look and just be like, uh, is it safe to come out yet? Like, <laughs> is is, is yeah. this finally where the corner is has, is starting to turn? You know, like, I, and I'm I'm so excited to watch us play again, but I can't get mm. myself too excited because that's fair. We're because we know because we know what we've been like for the past <laughs> yeah. season. So like I'm still yeah. cautiously optimistic of, of us in the future. I hope we keep playing like we're playing because we're playing really well and now we're winning games as well. Yeah. But exactly. I just yeah, just uh, cautious. Oh, we're gonna go through those line of the week Pred- predictions from Friday. Berth, he's not here, but he had Cole Palmer. I had Mark Kukurea. Ollie had Caicedo and Chris Decent. with Mudrick. Ding, yeah. ding, ding. We have a full house. I That's never thought we'd ever do it. Do you know what? <laughs> it's because we just had a good game for the first time in ages. <laughs> so many players. I, I play usually one. let the side yeah. down. So <laughs> you want to buy no pick. It's like, no, no, I'm in that. But thankfully, that didn't happen. So that was good. Oh, we're, we're, yeah, full house, four winners, baby. Love it. Right. 
questions. Uh, we've got we've got some good questions. We always have good questions. Best listeners on the planet, genuinely. They're always yeah. good questions. So, 505 Roots asks, in honour of our new kit sponsor, who is our best kit sponsor of all time? That's a great question. I'll just pick Samsung. There's no... This yeah. Just, it just looks good. Samsung, but I, I do think it's ran close by Fly Emirates. I was about to say Fly Emirates. Mm, that's I very really... old school, isn't it? I mean, there, yeah. is there something to be said for a sneaky little Yokohama tyre? That was all right. It was all right. Yeah, why not? Well, Cause yeah, as well, go classic one. with it. Cause. A- any any options for three? No? No. No. <laughs> I don't but, think it's hey, going to be a single taker there. <laughs> any options for Whalefin? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgot about that company. Oh, well. Right. Julian asks, has Malo Gusto now lost his place to Mark Kukreya? That's a really good question. I, I don't really love so. that. I love that. That is a good question. I, I love that that is a question we can even ask. I know. Uh, wow. You know, um, I don't think so on the basis that Gusto, I think, has been doing a better job for a bit longer in the team so far. Okay. But I also think if Cucurella continues to, to do well until he comes back from mm. his suspension, then I don't know. I think that will be a close run thing. Cucurella might keep his place then. I, I, I mean, I, 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 I I put down yes, and it's because of my mindset of you play the one in form, and Caffarella is the one in hot form, and to bench him for Gusto, I don't know whether that would set a wrong the wrong narrative. Maybe like why play at your best when no matter what you do, you'll get benched when the other dude's back. I mean, for me, Kukurea deserves that spot till his form drops off. I don't know what you think, Chris. But would you say the well, same though when when James get, comes back? Uh, it's it, it's so difficult because he's the captain as well. I know, I know. I I don't know. I that's controversial in itself. To say Kukurea's in if he's still in his hot red hot form, then it seems harsh. Yeah, it it is a it is a difficult one because I actually thought Gusto was doing quite well as he uh, was as well. It's it it's a it's a real toss up for me because I think Kukurea's been really good but hasn't really offered us anything going forward, mm. but has been better defensively than Gusto was. But Gusto's better the other way. So it's Maybe it, it's, it's about the specific game then. You know, yeah, you pick one think, based on the game. Yeah, I think so. I think what could hurt Kukurea here is the international break. Because no. it always it always feels like a reset, the international mm. break. So like it doesn't matter who was informed before the international break. Yeah, no one's like, informed now. Yeah. yeah, it's like all of that's forgotten. Mm. For just because we miss one weekend and then we come back for the internationals and it's like I'll oh, pick a completely different team now. Yeah, so I think fair. that I think that could hurt him. Um, but to be honest with you, I wouldn't be upset to see either of them on the team sheet now. I think that's that, that's the positive. It's side. yeah, hundred percent. I love that. I love it. Uh, Julian's got a double here. I mean, is Cole Palmer what we thought Havertz would be? What no, a good player! <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I just think they're different kinds of players, but like the, the, the player, the player you would expect, you we all expected Havertz to become, and the player that we all think Palmer will become, I think, are slightly different, just because of Palmer likes to play, like Palmer can play a bit more off the right. He's a bit more creative. He's less of a traditional kind of like goal scorer, I guess. Like Havertz, I attempted to be. When I watch him, I just sort of think, why did Man City choose to sell him to us? Because that's a trip to the twilight zone for me. Because like I, I just cannot solve this mystery. I mean, he's a profit. Up... 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that classic. Is. He so set someone up... like you know the money signs. Yeah, look, we he set up one of our goals against Fulham. He's been putting high quality performances since he turned up, and I questioned why we spent forty five million on his signing. But now I'm wondering how we've managed to pull off that deal. Because, wow, what a player! What a player! Yeah, it's, uh, you know what? It's fair enough because a lot of people at the time did say, "Why are we?" Why are I we think that was a fair question. It was like, mm-hmm. and a lot of people were upset about it, but he's proved everyone wrong. On final question, Kayla Driver asks, "What twenty-five years old or over player would you have purchased in the summer?" I feel my pick is going to be a little out there. Oh, I think it is. That is that is a tough question. Well, uh, the obvious the one, the obvious one is probably Madison, isn't it? I did would have gone straight to him for that creative spark, but yeah, that would have been a good sign. I think I probably would have gone with Harry Kane. Yeah, I, you know, I look, I would argue that Madison was not what we needed, needed, and it, we need a goal scorer. Harry Kane, obviously, that's never happening. We know that's never going to happen. Dusan Vlajevic, I liked a lot, but again, there's always a risk based on what his form was. And then he's also not over 25. <laughs> uh, Lataro Martinez was another tempting one, but I thought, yes, this is, I like, I'm sorry, I like this one. I would have tried my hand at signing Coventry's at the time, Victor Yerkeresh, because since he moved to Sporting, he's the league's joint top scorer with five and six and two assists. It's a wild card, but a prize I feel might have been worth claiming. Interesting. Is that, that is a bit of a. a bit I, I thought there. that no one was yeah, going to go. Out there. No one would have picked him. I know no one listened. If you did, wow! I absolutely love the way. If you did, you're on. a liar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What have you got, Chris? Um, I don't know if it would have been anyone specific, but it would have been a goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. I would shot. have. I still would. I still would have liked an older, an older goalkeeper sort of we got one late 20s early 30s um mm. would have been would have been my choice if, if if you have to break that rule for one position i think it would have to be goalkeeper that's yeah, you fair get, shout. even if you have to go like over 30 like or even yeah. over 35 for a goalie because like because even like even the veteran keepers of the game stay in pretty good form regardless mm. yeah because yeah you know, it's just not as physically taxing, I guess. But yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the end of questions. Oh, we're going to end the Monday show on a Tuesday with a game of Archie Thompson's Top Trumps and the team, they just have to guess whether each player, club or whatever I've said, is higher or lower than the previous entry based on that question. And today we've got, I say, I keep, I need to change that in the script. It's not a question. It's a category. But anyway, the category is managers and their teams. So I'm going to give you 10, te- 10, te- 10 managers and you have to tell me if they have managed more or less teams than the previous. Caretaker oh. roles do count, as do international jobs, such as obviously the wow. under-21s and under-23s. If a manager has managed the club or country more than once, it will only count the ones. And it's going to be a Chelsea special because I, I thought that would be nicer. Uh, it's going to be tough. You'll get be really good. Be tough. Well, would be I'm, I'm going to give you a vanilla manager. You know, no one hates him, no one loves him, and he's never managed Chelsea either. I couldn't think of anyone else to pick. Uh, David Moyes, and he has managed six teams in his career. So I'm going to go to he's a good coach. Oh, you know, he's pretty not Man United. He's <laughs> right. I'm going to go to Ollie first, and your manager is Mauricio Pochettino. 
high will earn six. Okay, well, he had he had Southampton and Spurs, and then obviously PSG and now us. So that's four. But I think he he might have only been at well before that. He will definitely would have had a club before Southampton and possibly one before that as well. Oh, so I'm gonna go with higher. Oh, it's lower. It's five. Oh. It was only oh. es- you named every club bar Espanol. Ah, fair enough. He started there. He did. Fair so, play. So, started in Chris has got Thomas Tuckle. Oh. Higher. Yeah, it's six. Uh, Graham Potter. The boys. Oh, yeah, that, that's difficult, <laughs> isn't it? Because he's he spent so long in like the <laughs> Swedish eighth tier or whatever. Oh, oh, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go higher. Oh, it's five. It's lower. Oh no. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, no, fair enough. I gave uh, everything. On uh, <laughs> on Andre Viash Boas. Oh, more than five. Yeah. Or yeah, more. It is. It's seven. Maurizio Sarri. I'm gonna go lower. It's gotta be lower. <laughs> Surely it's lower. It's gotta be lower. Oh, no. He's managed 21 clubs. 21? <laughs> no way. Look at, if you go on his wiki page, just look at his clubs. He's managed. 21? How long has he managed a club for? Like two weeks? <laughs> it, it genuinely. I know he left us after a season. I didn't realise that was like the norm in his career. <laughs> yeah. Right. Every season changes club. <laughs> I, I genuinely thought this was a joke when I looked it up because I thought, no way. So he started in the <laughs> 90s. Unbelievable. And it, the, I'm going to butcher some of these but so it was there's Steer, Feles, uh Cavriglia, Antella, Valdemma, Tegoletto, Sansovino, San Giovanni's, Pescara, Arezzo, Avellino, Verona, Perugia, Grissetto, Alessandria, Sorrento, Empoli, Napoli, Chelsea, Juventus, Lazio. It's a lot. It's a lot. Oh, Jesus, it really ramps up at the end, doesn't it? Yeah, he's, he's starting to hit <laughs> yeah, his peak. So uh Chris, you've got Antonio Conte. Yeah, has he has he I'm... managed a fewer than twenty one clubs? Chris? I'm gonna say slightly, and it's it's slightly. controversial. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say less. It is. It's nine. It's nine. Wow, amazing. <laughs> uh, Goose, Goose, Gus Hiddink. Oh, right. Hiddink did a That's bunch a of, of of like uh, national team stuff. Like yeah. he did like the Netherlands. I know he did it more than once, but that counts. As he once. did. No, he did like true. um. I think he did like a Caribbean nation or something as well. And he'd done a load of interim stuff and club stuff. I'm going to go higher than nine. It's 14. It's higher. Chris, you've got Rafa Benitez. That's got to be lower. Yeah, it's surely. it's higher. It's 16. Really? No Why? You That's... now, Ollie, you've got your final one of the night is Luis Felipe Scolari. That's tough. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go lower than 16. It's 22. <laughs> Oh, fair enough. <laughs> and Chris ends with everyone's everyone loves him. Claudio Ranieri. Higher or lower than twenty two? Dilly ding. I mean, who, who knows anymore? Um <laughs> I'll probably say lower and you'll be like, no, it's forty five. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh I'll go lower. Twenty three, it's higher. That's, um, that is ridiculous. <laughs> Honestly, listeners, just look at the wiki pages of Scolari, I... Ranieri, and Sarri, and it's like wow. And Benitez, yeah. even Benitez is a shocker. 
Benitez. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely thought Benitez had been at like five clubs. Yeah, that may. <laughs> uh, hang on a second. Let me pull up Rafa Benitez. He has managed the under-17 Real Madrid team, uh, Real Madrid Castilla, Valladolid, Osasuna, Extremadura, Tenerife, Valencia, Liverpool, Inter Milan, Chelsea, Napoli, Real Madrid, Newcastle, Dalian Professional, Everton, and currently at Celta Vigo. So there you go. You went to China. Why? You did. That was that was well, well there, yeah, very well known. That I I didn't know he was at Celta Vigo. Now that that so that's a little bit of news for me. <laughs> yeah, there he is. <laughs> and so, I, I completely forgot he went to Inter Milan. <laughs> oh yeah, that's well, so who did he take? Did he cover, He went over after Mourinho, didn't he? Yeah. But, I guess yeah. it goes to show, but, doesn't um, it? Like, like managers can be for uh, at, at your club for like so long, and it's a tiny portion of their career. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'll do Ranieri's list. Uh, from '86, he started. Uh, Vigor Lemesia, Putio Lana, Cagliari, Napoli, Fiorentina, Valencia, Atletico, Chelsea, Valencia, Parma, Juventus, Roma, Inter, Monaco, Greece, Leicester, Nantes. Fulham, Roma, Sampdoria, Watford, Cagliari is currently out. I'm sorry, who is his agent? He's doing well. <laughs> he's doing well. He's, he's managed basically every, almost every big team in Europe. It's, 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 it's just so wild. I loved it when I was doing this. I thought I didn't think we'd get into the 20s. I was like, wow. That's great. It's so, like, yeah. that, do you know what that's like? That's like when you learn how many clubs Nicholas and Elka played for. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Right. With that, thank you for listening to this episode. Treat yourself well, listeners. We, we'll be back on Friday to hopefully talk through some positive news of the week. And we'll do a bit of a topic as well because, yeah, no, no midweek games for us. So until then, that is going to be us signing off. You've been listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching for At The Bridge Pod. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leaving us a review is always appreciated.